This is the word of the Lord. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. Grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. What is your family like? In the South, we have this expression, you've heard it before, who are your people? Where do you come from? Who is it? What is it that shapes who you are? Family has a tendency to do this. They shape us, be it for good or be it for bad. They help define us. What do we believe about this world? What do we believe about other people? What are our habits? If we spend a week with my parents, I begin to hear my children repeating things that grandma said. First and foremost of it is how terrible school lunches are and how it's someone's fault. Much of this, much of who we are, comes from our family life or the lack of our family life. Paul has very thoroughly showed us what our life looks like apart from Christ. We are under the reign of sin. We cannot obey the law. We are under the power of death. But Christ has come and he's freed us from the slavery to sin. We now have newness of life. We are given this life as we saw last week through the working of his spirit. So how now do we view our life in the spirit? Paul shows us today that we now have a new identity. We are now sons. We are now daughters. We have been placed into a new dominion, a dominion that is reigned by Christ. And in spite of this, Paul reminds us, we remain in tension. We live in this world, but we also live in the world to come. But as children, we have certain privileges. As children, we are also heirs. We have something that we are looking forward to. We get to share in Christ's inheritance. We have hope in this fact that we will live, that we have an identity as children. It shows us more and more that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We are those who have been adopted. As we look at this today, we'll see it in three points. Ooh, I almost lost that. I'm going to take this off there. <laughs> so if it goes, water does not go. Um, 
First, there's death in the flesh. Second, we are sons and daughters in the spirit. And third and finally, we are heirs in Christ. Paul, once again, as we go into this, he reminds us who we are. He says, now, therefore, as we start this here, so then is how it says in the ESV, Paul shows us that there are consequences for this new relationship. These consequences are occurring daily. We no longer can live to the flesh. The flesh was the old way of life. It is the way we used to live. The flesh representing the world, life in rebellion to God. We have been rescued from this servitude to the realm of the flesh. And it's not that we have been permanently now removed from it, but we don't identify with it. It is not what identifies from us. We still, as Paul says, struggle in this life. We continue in a sense to live in the old flesh, this weak body. Our bodies have not made, been made new. But we also must understand that we cannot live, continue to live spiritually in the flesh. And if we continue to live spiritually in the flesh, we will certainly die. Not mere physical death, because all experience physical death, both Christian and non-Christian alike. alike. He's talking about an eternal punishment. We cannot follow the flesh. Therefore, brothers, we are not debtors to the flesh. We owe, in essence, the flesh nothing. Therefore, we cannot live according to it. One commentator said it this way. The believer's once for all death to law and sin does not free him from the necessity of mortifying sin in his members. It makes it necessary and possible for him to do so. We live in this tension and we must be putting sin to death. We cannot live according to the flesh. We cannot fall back into our former lifestyle. This is a very serious warning here. Paul is talking to us about how we live for if you live according to the flesh he says in verse 13 you will die but if by the spirit but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body you will live there's an act an activity that is going on here in which we are putting to death the sins of the flesh the spirit has freed us. We saw last week that that spirit is even now, right now, residing in us. And therefore, we must seek God each and every day. Sin is troublesome. It's all around us. It's constantly seeking after us. But we cannot serve God and sin. We must be putting flesh to death. We call this mortification. John Owens, the Puritan writer, wrote a whole book called The Mortification of Sin. If you want a headache but want good content, go read it. I believe someone did a more modern writing of it. I can't remember who, but it is a hard read. But if you can get through it, it is so good. In his book, he said this, Do you mortify? Do you make it your daily work? Be always at it whilst you live. Cease not a day from this work. And listen to this. Be killing it, that is sin, 
or it will be killing you. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. Paul's sin or Paul's warning here is not to be taken lightly. He warns us who are in Christ, who are in his spirit, that we must be putting sin to death. We cannot live according to the flesh. Why? Verse 14, for because of the reason that you must be doing this, all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. Once again, he affirms that we have the spirit in us, that through the spirit we have put sin to, or he has put sin to death in us. The spirit has brought life to us. And the result of that life is that we are now sons and daughters of the God most high. This is absolute if the spirit of God is in you. If the spirit of God is in you, you are right now sons and daughters of God. You get to call upon God and say, God, my father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Paul here in scripture gives us one of the most beautiful descriptions for the identity of the Christian. You are children. You are no longer slaves. You have received the spirit of adoption. Galatians and Paul in Galatians 4, 6 says, and because you are sons, God has sent his spirit, the spirit of his son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. The spirit of adoption, it frees us from anxiety. It frees us from judgment. It frees us from all the woes of our former life. We no longer dread. We should no longer dread, but we have peace in him. We have security before him. This is the product of the spirit in the life of a believer. Yes, we struggle. We continue to struggle. We continue to suffer. That's one of the last things Paul says in this, in this text. You're heirs with Christ, provided that you suffer with him in order that you may be glorified with him. There's still suffering. There's still struggle. But you are right now sons and daughters. What is this adoption in a legal sense? Adoption is, is the conferring of a new legal status on a child, on, on someone you adopt. In, in, in this time, uh, adoption would have even happened for uh, older individuals. If you had someone and they had no heir, they might find someone they, they trusted or loved, maybe even like a, a, a nephew or something like that, and they would adopt them as sons. And this applied a new legal status. It said, this is the person, when I pass on, will inherit my power, my position, everything that I have, my money, everything. It's a legal procedure. It's the same status that was legally given to Israel. You are, I am your God. You are my people. I am your father. You are my children. And Paul here now applies this to the Christian. We now are his children. He is our father. You have been truly adopted. 
You are part of God's family. We share in all the benefits that come with that. The inheritance, there's immediate benefits. The blessings that he, and, and the care that he gives us, his spirit indwelling in us, but also there's a, a future inheritance when, where we will be glorified even as Christ is now glorified. As we are conformed to his glorious image at his return. What a wonder this is that you can call God Father, that we are indeed his own children. Now, the problem with this is that we don't always have the best image of that word father, do we? Some of us may have had good experiences with fathers. Maybe some of us have had bad experiences with fathers. And it doesn't matter how good your father is, your father at some point has let you down. Your father is a sinner. It's inevitable. They let us down in both small and great ways. They can be destructive at times. And so I think we bring some baggage to this notion of what does it mean that God is our father? Does that mean he's like this guy? Well, that's not all that great. But it's different with him. He is the perfect, loving father. And we get to come before him and say, Abba, this is the, the word for father, Abba, father. We get to come before his feet and he desires us to do so. And we get a share in the status of Christ, our Savior. Who is Jesus Christ? He's the Son of God. Ah, the Son of God. As we're adopted, we share in the same status of our Savior. Luther, in his commentary in Romans, says this about this word adoption. This is but a little word. And yet, notwithstanding it, comprehends all things. The mouth speaks not, but the affections of the heart speak after this manner. Although I am oppressed with anguish and terror on every side, and seem to be forsaken and utterly cast away from thy presence, yet I am thy child, and thou art my father for Christ's sake. I am beloved because of the beloved. We are Christ's beloved children because of our beloved Savior. The reality of our adoption should overwhelm us. No matter what your background is, no matter how you answer the question, who are your people? No matter if there's pain and hurt, no matter if there's joy, we must remember that we have a new identity. You are sons and daughters of the God Most High. He is the one who cares for you. In all aspects of your life, he cares for you. In all your needs, he is good and gracious. And he has blessed us in many ways. And part of his blessing to us is giving us a family. He's given us earthly families, but he's also given us 
a church family. But here is the reality. At the end of the day, your, your biological family will let you down. Your church family will inevitably let you down. I, as your pastor, will inevitably do something that you're not excited about. But he will never fail you. He is the perfect father. E.S. Hall, in this hymn, wrote this line, My soul is satisfied to know his love can never fail. Is your soul satisfied in your father, knowing that his love is unfailing for you? He is the good and perfect father. He loves you with an unending and perfect love. Let me ask you this. Do you approach him as a child? I'm sure you can at least in part remember being a child or you remember having children. What do do all children want from their parents? Give me your time. I want time from you parents. I want your approval. Do you long to spend time with your father? Do you desire the approval of your father? Do you long to be protected under his loving and caring arms and do nothing more than crawl up into his lap and say, oh, my father, oh, my daddy, I am here with you and you love me and be secure in that. And understanding that as we are adopted, we are also heirs. This is our third and final point today, being heirs in Christ. The Holy Spirit comes to us and he makes us aware that we are God's children. He bears witness to our spirit and it affects us in the deepest and most innermost part of our being. And then Paul connects the benefits in this present with those that wait for us in the future. Verse 17, if you are then children, you are heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ. Paul's in essence saying, at your adoption, you don't get all the benefits right away. There's more benefits that are coming. Almost three years ago now, three years ago, June, it's a really important day in my life. It was June 12th, and that was the day I got to adopt Ashley and Gracie. It was, well, yeah, June 12th, June 11th, three days, three days after Josiah was born, June 9th. Before the adoption, Ashton particularly always called me Daniel. And you can imagine in her position, who is this guy all fee-fi-fumming up coming here, big giant beard, bald head, who is this guy? I know what fathers are like. I know what fathers are like. They're a disappointment. There's a lack of trust. But after the adoption, Ashton and I both got a new name. 
I was no longer dead. I was no longer Daniel. I became daddy. She got my name as well. The impersonal became personal. This is what God does for you. He makes the impersonal personal. We enter into a family relationship with him. And he holds nothing back. You are heirs with Christ. That which has been promised to Jesus has been promised to you. And so we await our inheritance. Galatians 3, 16 through 18, Paul says this. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but to one. And to your offspring, that is Jesus Christ. This is what it means. The law which came 430 years afterwards does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God. So as to make the promise void for the inheritance comes by the law. It is no longer comes by promise, or, excuse me, comes by the law. It no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by a promise. Uh, in essence here, he's saying the fulfillment of that promise came in Christ. And we now share in that inheritance of the promise of a, a, a land of a people we all who are in Christ share in this. And we, like Christ, will be glorified. We will share in his glory. But now we share in his suffering. It's both and. We share in his suffering and we share in his glorification. The kingdom comes through participation in Christ. It is all of our life. And so we must remember we're heirs. We have an inheritance that is ours. We share in him and we must live towards that inheritance. Being more and more like Christ each and every single day. I think as we start, we tend as we pray. We have our lead-ins, right? We all have our lead-ins when we pray. And I know what mine is because my daughter's reflected to me every night. Although I don't say, this is how Gracie says it. Dear graciously, Heavenly Father. Where does she get that? Dear gracious Heavenly Father. That's how I start my prayers, generally speaking. And yet, how much of that has become just rote? I know for a while... I used to end prayers, this was before I even got here, in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. And do you know why I did that? Is because that's how my father always ended prayers. But how much of that has just become rote? Do you look at God and say, you are truly, you are truly my father and I am truly your son or daughter. That is your identity. Maybe we should change our last names. I don't know what it would be. Certainly not Christ. That's not. That was a joke. 
fell flat. It's okay. We have to remember the flesh that's been put to death in him. And so we cannot live according to that flesh. We must live. We must, by necessity, live as those who have a new identity. And as we live as God being our father, as Christ being our brother, we are to live with our eye on our inheritance. knowing that we will be glorified as Christ is glorified and we share in his glory. So we struggle and we suffer through this life now. And it is, it is hard. There are times where we want to go, if I am your beloved child, why am I suffering? And Paul says you suffer because his own son suffered. We have certainty in the fact that he is glorifying us now and he will glorify us in eternity. You are the promised seed. Abraham and that covenant as it was given to him said there will be your your descendants will be more than the, the stars in the sky, more than the sands pebbles of sand on the beach we are that promised seed are we living like it are we living as if we have a new identity we must by necessity live as if the glory of Christ is our own And if we don't, if you live according to the flesh, you will die according to the flesh. It is a severe, very pointed and intentional warning. Would we be those who no longer live according to the flesh, but would we live with a new identity that is ours, as Christ being our father, as God being our brother and friend. Let's pray. Dear gracious heavenly father, we are so thankful for your word. We're so thankful for the new status that we have as sons and daughters. Would we understand the full reality of our adoption, that we are indeed, we have indeed a new identity. And would we live honoring our father, seeking time and to please with him and to please him. We pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen.